Today's reading is Psalm 1, verses 1 through 6. The way of the righteous and the wicked. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but not but the way, sorry, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. All right. Thank you, Dee. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Uh, doesn't Dee have a great vo voice? She could, uh, she's looking for a little side hustle. She could read books on tape, and, uh, and, and I'm sure that would go, go well. Um, so, yeah, again, my name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here, and it's great to have you guys here uh, this morning. By way of introduction, if you're new or you've never heard me preach before, I have a stutter, so it'll kind of come in and out as I, uh, as I go. Um, it's not the heat, though, that would make some sense, because uh, uh, I actually went for a run yesterday in like the middle of the hottest part of the day, and um, almost like completely changed my sermon. I was running and had a vision, a coyote talked to me, and um, <laughs> it was crazy. And then I realized, yeah, this heat probably has something to do with it. But um, anyway, again, really good to have you here. As Jenny kind of mentioned during the introduction time, um, the, you know, the summer here at Redemption usually looks a little bit di different. Um, we have a lot of college age students here throughout the year, and um, and we love them. We we love that we're uh, get to have an impact on people in that in that like stage of life. And um, and one thing though that really relates to us. So oh, so over the summer, many of them kind of go throughout all over the place, all over the world, different different things like that. And um, and it gives us a unique opportunity here to really grow in maturity and in health and in community together because we're able to do some things as a whole church that we um, can't often do uh, throughout the whole year. And um, one of those things for some of you is this. You can get more coffee when you come in and also you can sit up right up in here. Because uh, usually our college students kind of fill up this area, and it's getting there. It's getting better. But um, I want to challenge you. I almost just had us get up and do it, like right now, come forward. But sometimes that doesn't go so well. So I figured um, I'll just challenge you next week. Let's fill in this, this, this uh, splash zone, if you will, uh, right, right up here. So... Um, we're going to get into our time here pretty quickly, though, in Psalms. If you want to go ahead and uh, turn with me to Psalm 1 as we kick off our, our series in, in the Psalms, um, or we kind of actually dive into it uh, this week. Stephen Collins, our, our worship leader, did a great job last week. He, he, he got us kind of going, built the foundation in, in the Psalms that we're doing. Um, he mentioned this. I want to, again, just give, um, kind of give credit where it's due, that a lot of people do a lot of things here that don't get noticed or, and just they do it gladly to love God and to love us, like the people that did this incredible artwork here and other things. So let's just give a round of applause to those who did that. Um, 
I will be the first to say I have nothing to do with any of this stuff back here, which is great. You should be happy about that. But God's really gifted a lot of people uh, within our church that we are blessed by. So I um, just wanted to, wanted to point that out. Um, so go ahead and turn with me in your app or in your, in your actual physical Bible to Psalm 1. If you don't have a Bible, will you uh, hold your hand up high and somebody will get you one. Okay, We want to make sure that you have one that you can read and walk through and um, También si necesitas la Biblia en español, solamente levanta su mano y diga español. Um, we want to make sure everyone has a Bible they can read and understand. And um, if you don't own a Bible, also this is our gift to you. Okay, keep this. We, um, put your name in it. Underline stuff. We want to make sure everyone has a Bible. Oh, up here. There's. I'm, I'm here to help. We need one up here. Anyone else? Auction. We'll do this. Who else needs a Bible? Yeah, right here. Um, I would like start throwing them out like frisbees, but. That wouldn't be good. Hey, let's pray together, okay, as we get into, into Psalm, Psalm 1. Uh, Lord, thank you for this time to be here. Thank you for your church, Lord, for a community that we can build. Um, Lord, thank you for your word that we are told in Scripture that, that your word is the word of God. It's breathed out by you, and it's profitable for teaching and rebuke and correction and encouragement and for every aspect of our lives. And uh, Lord, we acknowledge that again, as your word says, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. So I, I, I pray that we will come expectantly with a posture, Lord, to learn, to grow from your enduring and, um, and helpful and profitable word. And we uh, pray these things and we learn now in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Um, so... A couple things I want to make you aware of. Again, this is our first week kind of in the, in the, in the Psalms that we're going to be in throughout the whole summer. And I'm really excited for this time. The Psalms, I would say, are often maybe not understood as well as they ought to be. And that's, um, we're going to actually look at some of that this morning. Um, and again, Stephen laid the foundation for our series um, last week. And so now as we get into Psalm 1 and 2 this morning, um, we're, we're going we're gonna to get an understanding of really how to walk through the, the, the whole Psalms and, and uh, really, really what, that's, what that looks like, what that's all about. Because, um, you know, sometimes, again, as I think Stephen said last week, sometimes the Psalms have been kind of, you know, hung up on the shelf as like, you know, the hipsters, like worship leaders, artists, people like that read the Psalms, or women's ministry, um, you know, people kind of unjustly will just like say, oh, that's, you know, things like that, which there's all kinds of issues there that we would say when we kind of divide and delegate different, different aspects of God's word all over the place. But um, the Psalms are meant to, to apply and to teach and to shape us um, in every aspect of, of life. And, it's, and, and, and something that's said that, that I'd love for you to kind of hang on to is this, is that all of God's word, and, and specifically the Psalms, um, I think we need to hear this, is that God has given it to us to be transformational, not just informational. Okay, so sometimes we maybe um, misunderstand books like the Psalms because we kind of think, you know, I'm into theology. I'm more intellectual. And most people who say that aren't actually, by the way, it's just a, but they're like, I'm more into, you know, Romans, Galatians, and which we're into that as well, right? We've spent a lot of time in those books. But, but sometimes we kind of we, we put like high theology over there and then we think, oh, the Psalms are, you know, don't give me a lot of information, and it's because we misunderstand that God's word is, is, is supposed to transform us in um, every way. In fact, 
One, I'm going to share a quote with you in a moment, but um, it, it uh, comes from this book that I would commend to you. I could spend this whole morning telling you about different um, incredible resources that you should use to help you through the Psalms. But since we're not going to do that, um, I'll just recommend a couple. And then I encourage you, go to our social m- media, go to our w- website. Um, some of these things are there, okay? And you can, you can see um, some of those things. But this book right here by Eugene Peterson is called Answering God, the Psalms, a tool for prayer. And it's incredibly helpful. It's a short book, as you can see. I like short things. Um, and uh, and, and, and th- this book is, is good. It's helpful. And um, a, a quote that I want to share with you to kind of get us started is this. God's word is not a reference book in a library that we pull off the shelf when we want information. There is nothing inert or bookish in these words. God's words, creation and saving words, everyone, hit us where we live. These are not words we study laboriously for an exam. These are words we take in. Words designed for shaping new life in us. And so Psalms 1 and 2, as we get into this together, are, are kind, of a, a, a kind of a, hey, check yourself. Um, introduction. So the, all of Psalms are, are, are broken up into five books. The, the, uh, let's see, do my math here. Uh, 148 of the Psalms are broken up into five books um, in the Psalms. And, and, and there's a common thread all throughout. And, and, they're, and, they're, and they're songs and they're meant to be read and sung and, 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 and prayed through. And yet Psalms 1 and 2 is kind of like the introduction. And I don't know if you're like me, when you pick up a book, you're like, I'm just going to skip the introduction, I'm here to read the book, not the introduction. But, but what this does is it helps us to understand why Psalms 1 and 2, which were actually meant to be put together, um, it's meant to check our posture and, and to say, hey, how are you coming at this thing? Well, how are you entering into um, prayer? How are you any, entering into communion and conversation with God? Because... Um, I, I think a lot of us tend to go our own way. That's something that we're going to talk about a lot this morning. We go our own way. We pave our own direction. We, you know, pave our own road. And then all of a sudden, we hit some potholes, which if you live here in Tucson, you know what those are. Right? You hit some potholes. You hit some different bumps in the road. And then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, i got to pray about this. i got to call out to God. I need, I need help with this. And even people, perhaps some of you here today, um, don't know God, wouldn't have a relationship with God. Maybe you have a concept or an idea of an unnamed kind of a God out there. And even in that, in that case, you're like, God, um, where are you? I need, I need something with this. And so what these first two Psalms do is they help us kind of orient ourselves into what the posture and the expectation is entering into prayer. Now, first, let me just say a couple of disclaimers. One is, um, hear me on this, okay? Because some of you might be thinking, wow, do I have to know, like, that's why I don't pray, because I don't know how to, and I don't, I don't know everything I'm supposed to know, so I just don't. And, and hear me, that I'm not saying not to go to God just as you are in prayer. There, there's a phrase that we love here is pray yourself into prayer. It, it, and it might look like this. Um, my own dad, who's not a... Christian has said the same thing. I don't know how to pray. I don't even know what that looks like. And we just said, then just say that. 
Say, God, if you're there, um, I, I don't know if you're there. I don't even know how to pray. And then, and, then, and then perhaps you are a Christian, but you're still in that same boat. And you're like, God, I don't know. I don't, man, help me, you know, in Scripture. It says, um, I believe, but help my unbelief. God, I, I, I want to be praying, but I need, I need direction. I, I, I'm in this place in life. And then before you know it, you're in prayer, right? You're, you're praying. However, where, where, where I think, though, that we need to camp out this morning, where we need to admit is, um, or let me, let me say this by asking you a question. What, what drives you? Like, what, what's your core foundational belief, your posture? If you're into philosophy, philosophy would say, what's your worldview? Or, in fact, like, your, your whole manner or approach in life. Because the, the word that we'll see here this morning that's used a lot in, in early on in Psalms is way. And, and you're either going one way, the way of the Lord, or you're going the way of not God. You're going your own way. And, and I was thinking about this specifically this week as I was preparing for this sermon in a coffee shop that I love personally. Um, it's, uh, actually, let me show you this picture and see if you know where this is. I uh, took a little picture, um, and you might even be like wondering, where, where is this? Um, what kind of craziness? Does anyone know what this is? It's Shot in the Dark is a great guess, but it's epic. The other one. Yes, it's epic. <laughs> exactly. So this is the men's, or the, I don't even know if it's called the men's bathroom. It's the bathroom. It's the experiential bathroom in Epic Cafe, which is right on the corner of a university in 4th Avenue. It's like one of the OG coffee shops in Tucson. It's not third wave. It's not. I think they do sell some third wave wave. Coffee, am I right on that? Exo coffee, but um, it's definitely not third wave. It's just wave. It's not second or first wave. It's <laughs> it's wave. But I was in there, and I was in the bathroom, and I don't usually take out my camera in bathrooms, but <laughs> I I just wanted to take a picture because you get to take in like where people are coming from and what's going on. And this whole coffee shop kind of kind of lends itself to, honestly, it helps me in my sermon prep. Sometimes it can be a little bit distracting. Some of you are like, now I get it. I get where some of these sermons are coming from. He's in Epic when he's writing these. But um, I, I love to be in Epic. A, I have a heart for that place, that community. It, it honestly is a lot like my own family. And again, some of you guys are like, I now get even more. But it's, um, it's just an eclectic place. It's a really old coffee shop. I think some Hells Angels have owned it from time to time and all kinds of different things go on there. But I've, I've built some friendships and some relationships with different people over, over there. And, um, and, and this one guy specifically who works at the tattoo shop right next door, I, I got to talk to him this week and we were hanging out and talking. He asked me to pray for his hockey team, his favorite hockey team. And he's like, hey man, and this guy is, uses colorful language. I love him, get to know him. Um, if you ever hear me in a conversation, you're like, whoa, did I just hear those words? And you're, yeah, it's with my friend here and he just throws his stuff out and he's like, hey, pray for my hockey team. And, and, um, and, and what I was thinking is, how many people are going their own way, are, 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 are paving 
our own direction in life, our posture, our approach to life, our decisions, what we're going to do, what we want to believe in, what we want to not believe in, what we want to submit to, what we don't want to submit to, what we want to resist to. And then all of a sudden, we just get shaken up and we're just like, God, God, hey, God, you know. And, and again, even this guy, my friend, who's like, hey, pray for my, my hockey team. Um, he even says, he goes, I don't have a name for God. I just believe in God's out there. And I mean, we go at it. We talk, you know, intensely. And, and, and I love this guy. And, um, and yet it, it occurred to me, like, uh, uh, we're not really able to, to go before God as God designed. Okay, because the big idea that we're going to see this morning that I want you to get is this, that God has said that, that, that life is designed to be lived, flourishing, where we bury ourselves, we meditate on him and his ways and his purposes. The word here that will be used is his law. And that, can be, that, that means the scripture. At that point, it meant the first five books of the Bible. But it means all of God's word. And then also that we take our refuge in God. And this is not just a one-time thing. This is not just an, oh, shoot, hit the button, hit the help button. But, but God's design is that we would live in such a way that that's our posture, that that's our disposition, that that's our way. That's what's driving us. And then, as we enter into prayer and the highs and the lows and times of lament and times of rejoicing, we're more, we're, more, um, we're more rightly positioned to follow and to receive and to be blessed by the good news of God and what it means to have a relationship with him. So again, let me, so think about that question. What's driving you? Not just what you say with your, with your words, but what actually, practically, what fuels your decisions? What, 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 what makes your, your life be what it is? And with that, let's pick up and dive in here to Psalms. You can turn to your neighbor and say, welcome to Psalms. We will be here for, uh, throughout the summer. And uh, there it is. So let's read together. Psalm 1.1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. Blessed. The very first word of this 150 book compilation of different authors, some of whom we don't even know their names, they're anonymous, that was put together to shape a people. The first word is blessed. And then, again, why Psalm 1 and 2 goes together is because the very last word, if you look in your Bible, or I think we have it here on the screen, in verse 12 of chapter 2, ends with, this introduction into the Psalms ends with this, blessed are all who take refuge in him. So this word, this word blessed, is an incredibly important word because, again, it sandwiches this whole thing and it sets the tone for all of the Psalms and even for all of scriptures. And so what it means, what this word blessed means, it technically means seized. Okay, so, so again, let me just ask you to think about what does blessed mean to you, right? What's your version of blessed? I pay, you know, and, and my guess is that our, our world's definition for blessed is very different than the biblical definition for blessed. Because blessed means rightly positioned. Again, it, it means a posture. It, it means a, um, an, a, 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 a seizure or a seizing in relationship to God. 
So it's not just, I have everything I want, I'm I, everything the way I want it to be. Again, it's directly connected to that idea of way, right? This says, um, blesses the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, but the one who delights in the law of the Lord. And so what this means is, is that your way, your whole disposition, your whole posture is one of being blessed, which means that you're seized, which means that you're rightly positioned Independence on God. And so what, what, what this means is this. Every one of us in this room, whomever you are, wherever you're coming from, whatever your background, whatever your, your, your understanding is this, that God created you in everything about you, your identity, your purpose, every aspect of your life, to be, to be built on a relationship of dependence on him. God said, let us make man in our image. And he gave us our identity and, he per- and our purpose. And he said, now go and flourish in everything that you do. Be blessed, in a sense. Be, be shaped, be positioned in light of your dependent relationship upon me. But then sin entered into the world. And in short, sin means, means not God. Sin means thanks but no thanks, God. I don't want anything to do with you. I want my identity and my purpose to be shaped by who I am and what I want to do. So um, I'm going to go my own, my own way. I'm going to break away from you. And, and, then, and then that's the world that we're living in. And then God promised and said, and said I will undo what has been Uh, what has been broken. And so this word blessed, when it comes up, and in fact, Jesus in his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, which we're gonna spend the entire fall in, he too begins that sermon with this word blessed. And what it means is a a return or a renewal or or a restoration to the position and the posture of dependent joy and delight in God in every aspect of life. So again, we just hear these words and maybe we come and we think, oh yeah, you know, blessed, I'm blessed, or I'm not blessed right now, or I am blessed right now, but it's more of a posture, a disposition, a worldview, an understanding, a foundation in every aspect of life, in highs and lows. And so again, to be prepared to read through these Psalms, to be prepared to go before God in a posture of prayer means to take on an understanding of right dependence upon your Creator who loves you, who designed you, and who calls you to commune with him in every aspect of life. Blessed. And then it's, it's directly connected to this other word, way, right? The way of sinners. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Again, way is this idea that's a manner of living. And, and, and let me just speak to you. If you're here this morning and you're like, great, he, now he's talking about sinners. He's going to talk to me, right? I'm the one. I'm the one that, that is getting talked to. And, and so maybe I, I need to speak to you for a moment because you need to hear um, what that means, right? The way of sinners, the way of scoffers or sitting in the seat of scoffers. And maybe, maybe others are here and you're like, I'm not a sinner. Who's he talking about? Um, Clearly not me, because we, we tend to think in this, we, we think of, of, of um, you know, how we look, or you vote the right way, or you look a certain way, and so maybe you're here and you're thinking, well, I don't have any tattoos, and I don't, what is it, 
drink, dance, and chew, or go with girls who do. And so I'm, I'm good here. This isn't talking about me. And then others here, maybe you're like, well, man, I'm, that's me. I'm a sinner, I guess. So here it goes. Every, no one else in here can relate. Everybody looks all clean and buttoned up, so no one else here can relate. And think less doing bad things. And think more what we've been talking about. A true heart foundational disposition of dependence on God, of delighting in him, of living in light of your your created intent and purpose where everything that you do is meant to be dependent on on, on God for his glory and your joy and the good of others. So, So when it says sinners, again, no one here is alone and no one here is like without, you know, no one here is without uh, or with excuse. We're all in this. And so I want, you to, I want you to think, is my way, is what's driving me, is my purpose, is my disposition one of delight and dependence upon God? And does my prayer life reflect that? Does how I approach the scriptures reflect that? And so then he goes on and he continues now, in, or this, the, the psalmist does in verse 3, and perhaps these are abstract ideas for you, like delight in the law of the Lord and, and have a posture of prayer and all these things. So the psalmist now uses some very practical language in verse 3 and goes on and says, so, so again, blessed is the man not who walks in the way of the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And then he goes on and he talks about a tree um, because he wants to, wants to bring this down to real life for you and me. All right, sometimes our, our um, understanding of prayer is like, go hide away in a closet, go close your eyes, go put a, you know, a hood on, do whatever, and, and escape. And, and this is real life stuff here. This is practical. This is, this is like in, in your face kind of stuff. And so the psalmist here, the author, intentionally uses language of a tree because it's something that you can walk out your door and you can see, and you can relate with. Because we need help breaking down this paradigm of God is distant and far out and, and way out, and, and so prayer is abstract and removed from real life. Okay, and we'll get to the other extreme. It's like two sides of a slippery slope or the, the pendulum that swings to two um, unhealthy extremes. But, 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 but right now, we need to talk about where I think a lot of us sit is prayer is just out there. It's just kind of distant, removed, you know, kind of stuff. And so this language is used to, to, to shake the person back to, know this is real life stuff. This is, this is stuff that's meant to, meant to shape you in um, every way. And so uh, an, uh, another quote from Eugene Peterson again in this book, Answering God, is this. He, I think he incredibly well kind of wakes us up to this idea. And he says this, abstraction is an enemy to prayer. Beautiful ideas are an enemy to prayer. Fine thoughts are an enemy to prayer. Man, does that sound wrong to you? Is that like, what? Beautiful ideas and fine thoughts are an enemy to prayer? But again, it's because it it takes us away from real life that God cares about deeply. And he says this, authentic prayer begins when we stub our toes on a rock, when we get drenched in a rainstorm, get slapped in the face by an enemy. 
that, that, that's meant to shake us up and wake us up and to remember that God is transcendent, absolutely. God is above, God is out there, but God has also made himself near. God also cares deeply. Again, God created the rock upon which our, can be, our toes can be stubbed. Uh, uh, God, God created these things. God created human relationships. So when that results in the slap from an enemy, God, God cares about that. God created that. God cares about relationships. So when a boss and an employee have a dysfunctional relationship and there's tension, when a workplace is defined by gossip and by, and by, and by insecurity, when a marriage is rocky and, is, and, 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 when, and when bills are not paid and when God cares about that. God created every facet of our lives. So he cares. And so our prayer cannot be distance to abstract ideas and thoughts. And then on the other extreme, perhaps some of us are in here and we get overwhelmed by the here and the now and the present. And we think, you know, um, I don't know about all this prayer stuff. I don't know about that. But man, we have got a political climate that is scary. We have got, I have got, again, unpaid bills. I have got an employer that, yeah, God's great and all, but man, my employer is the real one who has control over my life. And we get so caught up in the here and now that the other extreme that we can fall into is we think, man, what does God have to do with this? What does God have to do with, the, with, the, with, the, with my life right now? God, maybe God cares, but maybe God's more like a Santa Claus figure who's there. He's kind of cheering us on. Hey, I, I hope it works out for you. And we forget the transcendent power and authority of God. And that's where Psalm 2 comes in. And again, Psalms 1 and 2 go, go hand in hand. And that's why you see here that Psalm 2, verse 4, and again, Stephen kind of fleshed out or talked a lot more about Psalm 2 last week, but it's, it's appropriate because it goes together where now you see the, the, that the authority of God and the set-apartness of God, we need, we, need to be, we need to understand and build our lives upon as well. It says this in verse 4, He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. See, God reveals that he's not limited or bound by the here and the now. Now again, don't go to the other extreme. Does God care about it? Does God care about your life right now? Yes, absolutely. God cares deeply. God is, God is imminent. That, that word means present. He, he's here. And yet, if that leads us to think, yeah, but what can God do? God's, you know, what can he do? This, I'm not going to pray because I've got real life issues right now. That, that same guy, the guy that works at the shop next door to Epic, again, that I just talked about, who I um, really appreciate, we were talking about prayer. And does God care about the, my hockey team? And I said, I'm going to pray for your hockey team. And I did say, I'm going to pray that whatever will happen to draw you closer to God and to reveal Jesus to you. So if that means your hockey team loses, hey, sorry, like I'm going to pray either way, but... I will pray that you're, and hey, they actually did just win last night, by the way. I, I checked this morning to see if they won. In overtime, they won. So I'll keep you posted on how this all unfolds. But that same guy, we started talking about politics. And, and out of the same, the other side of his mouth, the same guy said, man, but what, this can't do anything. Like, you know, politicians and people of power they're going you know, to do what they're going to do and you know, pray, whatever. It, our conversation doesn't really have anything to do with that. There's no hope. 
And, 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 and not revealed in the, sin, in the same sense, like, well, does God really care about my hockey team? Does he care about how I relate with sports and what I do with this? But then on the, on the flip side, does, can God do anything about it? Because clearly the two leading candidates have more power about our current life than, uh, than, than God. And that's where, again, Psalm, Psalm 2 is, is meant to wake us up and say, no, 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 God is transcendent. Okay, you see that in Jesus' relationship with Caesar, who had more power than either of the primary political candidates, wherever you sit on whatever extreme that you're like, oh no, if this person gets elected, or oh no, if this person gets elected, all hope is lost. And this is like a, a wake-up call. Whoa, 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 do you forget who God is? Do you forget when Jesus is talking to, to Pilate and he says, do you not understand that I have your life in my hand? I can say live or die and it will happen. And Jesus is like, silly, Pilate. Do you not understand? He doesn't say this word for word, but paraphrase. Like, I could call legions of angels to wreck you. I, I created you. Psalm 139 that talks about God knowing you in your mother's womb and knowing you before you were formed and knowing every number of hair on your head. Uh, that's me. Je Jesus kind of gives a check yourself moment. And this is meant to be a check yourself moment for us as well. Because God is both transcendent and powerful over everything and he is imminent. He's close, he's near, he cares. And if you and I struggle to believe that, which would make sense, if it's, we struggle to, to understand that, like the people who were hating this, they didn't know. This was hundreds of years, almost a thousand years before Jesus. And they read things like um, verse 6. Right, So it talks about the, the transcendence of God. And then verse 6 says, As for me, I have set my king in Zion, my holy hill. Again, this idea of the, the next president, the king, the Pontius Pilate, the authority. Like, no, 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 my king who rules over all is set and established. And these people who are reading this are called to somehow make sense of the transcendence, the set-apartness of God, and the closeness and the imminence of God. And yet you and I are privileged and blessed and hopefully humbled to see that the transcendence and the imminence of God is most clearly displayed in the person of Jesus. That Jesus, the one through whom and for whom all things were made, the, the, the one who, who oversaw all of creation, chose to be born as a baby to a virgin in a manger, chose to take on flesh, the incarnate Son of God. Okay, there's the high theology word, incarnate. That word literally means concarne, with meat, with flesh. God who took on flesh, the God who is above all, the God who created, the God who spoke and said, let there be light, let there be water, let there be earth, came near and entered into your and my life so that the transcendence and the imminence of God is meant to shape us, is meant to define every aspect of our lives. And back earlier in verse 1, 
Why is there a negative there? Why does it say, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners? Why would the author not just say, hey, read your Bible and pray, and, um, you know, do, just, just do it, you know? Good luck. Go do it. Why, why address the negative? Well, it's because this. Having your way, having your disposition, having your posture set on dependence upon God is not natural for you and me. It's not easy. It's not, it's, not, it's not what we'll just do without even thinking about it. Walking away from God. Again, earlier I talked about that God created us in, in such a way to be dependent upon him. But because sin entered into the world by nature and by choice, we all have gone astray. Isaiah says, all we like sheep have gone astray, each one to his own way. What, what are we talking about here? Way. A, a general life of not God, a general um, um, disposition of thanks but no thanks God. Think about it like this. Have you ever been to the ocean? Have you ever swam at the beach? Um, perhaps San Diego, perhaps like me right now, this time of year, you're like, that sounds really, really nice. And maybe some people are there right now, or San Carlos or wherever. If, you're never, if you've never been, um, if you've only lived in Arizona, there's this thing called water and it's really nice and refreshing. And, um, and so if you're at the beach and you're swimming there, and if you're from Arizona, by the way, um, everybody from California who's at the beach when you're there knows that you're from Arizona. Anyone here from Southern California? Any other people? We got a handful here. Yeah, so I'm, I grew up in San Diego, and so I, I remember this. We would talk about zonies. Right? There's, this, there's an actual ter term, zonies, and you know the zonies because for a few things. They love the ocean more than you. Like, they love, like, you might, you might, have, you might sound like a surfer or whatever, you might, but, but man, Arizonans come and they rent better surfboards and better boogie boards, and they're out there, and they are spending all day in the water, and, and they just run, and also they don't know, like, beach etiquette. Right? They're, they're just they're shaking their towel off like into the wind and it's blowing all over you. Or they're, they're actually feeding the seagulls. Like all these things that you just don't do, zonies do. And I'm a zonie now. I've lived in Arizona more than I lived in California. So I'm, but I'm an I'm a, uh, informed zonie. Okay? So now you are too. You get it. Okay? There's etiquette. There's things. But still, something else that um, zonies will do that, that a, a local wouldn't do, that somebody who knows... As you're out there swimming, you're playing, you're splashing around in the waves, and you start it out, you're like, all right, okay, this is where we are. We're parked in front of Lifeguard Tower 1, and you're playing and all this, and then, you know, some time goes by, you don't even know, and you look up, and you're in front of, like, Lifeguard Tower 20. And you're like, oh, my gosh, where are we? What in the heck? And you get out, and you go up there to your stuff, and you're like, who are you? And they're like, uh, they're speaking Spanish. Like, you floated down to Mexico. You didn't even <laughs> know how you got there. And it's because... Without effort, you're in the current, and the current will naturally just take you somewhere. The current is taking you away from where you're supposed to be. And that's where you and I are with sin. Your natural disposition, apart from the grace of God, apart from the intervening help of God, you and I are just going the way of sinners and scoffers. Without effort, we will 
misunderstand the transcendence and the imminence of God. We will go our own way. We will choose not God. And now don't go to legalism, okay? Don't go to, I walked away from the sermon and I heard, man, if you want to be right with God, do all the right stuff and, you know, just read your Bible and pray and, 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 and hope that you don't get swept away somewhere else. I didn't mean to just rhyme right there. But, um, you know, just hope that, hope that you stay put and stuff. No, as we've, we've talked about a lot here, this is grace-driven effort. This is God's undeserved favor that keeps you in the place, in the posture, in the way of meditating on his word, of delighting in his instruction, of finding refuge in his son. That's the the blessed life. That's the life that God has called you and me to go in. That's the life that if you're, if you're going day in and day out, one foot in front of the other, and you hit the potholes, and you hit the whatever it might be, the, the, the imminence, the presence, the reality of life, marriage, job, parenting, struggle, whatever it might be, rather than living in such a way that we treat God like a genie, and we enter into the psalms of prayer and we don't understand what's going on here because we've gone our own way. Rather than that, the call is this, is to be positioned, to be blessed, to be seized in the way of the Lord. So as we close, let me ask you, do you delight in the law of God, in the word of God, Do you bury yourself and lose yourself in his word? Do you pray in such a way that reveals that you find refuge in him? Um, The next coming months, we're going to spend week in and week out looking at what that actually looks like. But the important introduction for us to understand is that as we enter into prayer, it's not a moment, you know, hit the panic button kind of thing. It's a, it's a position, it's a posture, it's a life of dependence. It's a life built upon the good news, the undeserved favor of Jesus. And so I, I, I want to encourage you and again challenge you to, to pray. If you don't know how, you're in a great spot. Come, come here, read the Psalms. If you don't know how to read God's word, I invite you to, to, to read through the Psalms. Perhaps you begin, you know, this week in Psalm 1, and then as we walk our way through, we're not going to hit on every Psalm throughout the whole summer, but work your way through. These were actually designed to help us to read God's word and pray simultaneously. So pray through the Psalms. Pray yourself into praying. Okay, don't, hopefully you're not feeling an anxiety and a weight right now that's like, man, I've got a, I just got this weight piled upon me. No, again, hopefully you're encouraged and prepared to enter into a time of prayer and of reading God's word, of being blessed, not to walk in the way of not God, not to walk in your own way and your own perception of what freedom looks like, okay, hear me, but to, but to walk and to live in the way that delights in the word of God and that takes refuge in God's provision and God's savior in Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, we, uh, we thank you for this time that we've had to be in your word. Lord, we thank you for this introdu- introduction into the Psalms. Lord, thank you that 
Lord, we're free to come and admit what we don't know. I confess, before preparing for this um, this whole series, I didn't know where Psalms 1 and 2 fit. I, I didn't know that, that it was a, 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 a preparation to enter into a posture of prayer, to enter into a time of, of, of coming before you in highs and lows. And, and so, Lord, thank you that there is freedom, that because of Jesus, because we are forgiven and accepted for past, present, and future sin, Lord, we are free to delight in you we are free to delight in your word. We're free to come before you in prayer as we will see with anger, with sadness, with confusion, with delight, with joy, with anticipation, with expectation, with every emotion that comes throughout life. Lord, may we rest in you. May we be blessed and seized and positioned in joyful and humble dependence upon you, our loving God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.